But we are continuing our Am I Healthy message series. And um, our health has become a pretty much a normal kind of part of our dialogue. Um, health has become a normal part of what we see and do. Uh, every time I, I scroll through Instagram, I see somebody with some kind of, you know, meal prep thing going on. Or I see, you know, different diets or different fads. I see people lifting more weights than I could ever think about lifting, Mr. Josh Krause. Um, I love seeing his little Instagram feed there. He's just lifting things. I'm like, why? I don't understand. But he's a beast, and that's, that's all right. I'm good with it, you know. But he's, he's working on physical health. He's working on getting his body together. And I am, I'm so thankful that people are concerned about that. It's important because we believe that the, that the Bible says it wants us to, to be whole and healthy holistically. We want to be healthy in our spirit. We want to be healthy in our bodies. We want to be healthy in all that we have. And we believe that's a biblical approach to what we do here and what we do in our life, that we are whole in every aspect of what we do, and we're healthy in that. So it's a very great thing. It's just becoming a little bit more norm. Thank you, social media. And so now we all get to be jealous of what they're doing or either be encouraged to do it. So, but I'm not going to lift like Josh. I'm just not. <laughs> but today we're talking about healthy relationships talking about healthy relationships, and when we start talking about relationships, we look back kind of towards the first relationship. We take it back to the garden. We see that in the garden, everything was good, everything was whole, everything was complete. God made Adam, he made Eve, they had food, they had a garden, it was beautiful. They walked, you know, just out there just enjoying this beautiful garden. They walked out there, and there was this, this, this sense of shalom. What we talked about in week one a couple weeks ago, we talked about a sense of wholeness or completeness or soundness, this sense of peace, this sense of well-being that was there. And that's what we see in the garden. And then we see the scenario of, of God and Adam and Eve's relationship of how they just walked together and how they had these conversations together. And then sin entered the equation. Sin entered the equation and the intimacy and the closeness that was there was now severed. That intimacy and that closeness was now broken because of sin. Sin severed that relationship and that sense of shalom that we had. And now we are in this world, we are a part of this world, and we are just groaning for this sense of shalom again. We're, we're, we're kind of just in this moment, we want that peace, that wholeness. That is what we're longing for. That's everything that we were desiring in our lives. And I, I, I'd be reluctant if I didn't say that's probably, that will not happen until God comes again. It's, almost, it's unrealistic to even think that we will have complete shalom until the return of Christ. There is sin. We have sin that's entered into this world, and we will face that until that time. So now our, our responsibility is, is simple of what, what do we do next? What do we do now? How do we deal with what we deal with? How are we going to do that? And this specifically in this message today is how do we do that in regards to our relationships? How do we do that with relationships? There's four different kinds of relationships kind of that you can talk about. I'm sure we can make it more. But in a lot of ways, there's the relationships that we look at acquaintances. Acquaintances might be like that person in one of the back offices of a place that you work that you just happen to see every once in a while when you go to the snack machine, you know, at 3 o'clock to get a snack. It might be that person that you just happen to pass by when you're dropping your kid off at school. There's some little spot in there. It's the easiest and it's the lowest level of connection. There's no impact. If something happens to that person, you'll probably never know it. If their life was just miserable, you might not ever even catch that they're having a bad day because there's, there's no impact. You're just acquaintances. 
We talk about another scenario of relationships. There's casual relationships. Casual relationships are just kind of you, maybe you stop and talk to each other in the car line every once in a while. Maybe you, when you, you stop at the vending machine, you actually have a conversation. You know, how's your mom doing? You know, that kind of thing. How's your mom and them? That's all right, it's country folks down here. It's still pretty easy. Still pretty easy to deal with, and it's a pretty low level of influence. I probably couldn't say much to this person. I'm not going to have much impact. They may still never know that I'm having a situation in my life. But then we have close friends or close relationships. These are harder to maintain. They begin to affect us a little bit differently because maybe this person, you know, they have a little bit of a, they have more connections with us. Maybe we go out and have coffee with them every once in a while. Maybe we go have a double date with our spouses and we go have dinner together. Um, we do different things. There's, some, there's a little bit more that affect us in that particular type of relationship. And then there's what we call intimate relationships. These are the harder to maintain, and they're the most impactful to our lives. Hard, I look at, you know, when we talk about you know, relationships, you know, when in hurt and relationships, you know, with, when we have deal with close relationships, you just kind of have this situation, you know, somebody hurts you, you just put a Band-Aid over it, and you, you know, you just deal with it. When you have a, you know, an intimate relationship, there, it kind of leaves a wound, something that, that hurts a little bit longer. And it, that's what happens is the greater the love that we have for one another, the harder is the hurt is. And the more that we let our guards down, the more that we let the walls down, the more that we let people in, the more that we tell people and share with people and we talk to people about things that are happening. And when something happens and when there's, when there's a conflict or there's something that's going wrong with an intimate relationship, it hurts. And it hurts for a long time. It leaves a wound that is just is more difficult to deal with. It takes longer to heal. And those intimate relationships um, are very hard to, to cultivate at times. As you can see, relationships kind of get complicated. They get complicated. No one's exempt from these complications. No one's exempt from these issues and things are, that are going on. But as Christians, we are called to love God. And we're called to love people. It's a supreme idea. It's an idea that we're supposed to do, but it's, it's kind of the struggle. It's a struggle sometimes to love people in a way that maybe we should. It's difficult because they hurt us. They, they offend us. They, they, they harm us. There's things that, are, that we're dealing with, and it gets very difficult to do, but it is what we are called to do. So today, this isn't a message that, I'm, that it's going to, there's not going to be a lot of laughs maybe in this message. I'm usually a very excited guy, as you probably know, um, but this one's a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more to, to the point, point. and I want you guys to be able to look at your relationships and dis- determine in your relationships, do you have healthy relationships? Because we here at NC, we believe that relationships are important. We believe that, again, I said before, we want to be healthy, both in your friendships and your relationships, all these things that happen. We want you to be healthy in those. So this is an important deal. So are some of your relationships that you're dealing with, they are healthy relationships. Some of you have wonderful, thriving, healthy relationships. You call each other. You pray for each other. Some of you guys have some unhealthy relationships, and you probably don't even realize it. It's that one that your best friend's telling you, you might want to get away from that. And you're not quite realizing that's an unhealthy scenario that you're in. And some of us just have some unhealthy relationships, and it's pretty obvious. But I think it's the, the, the ones in the middle there that the ones that we have to focus on a little bit more. But again, it gets complicated. It gets complicated trying to figure out where we are in that relationship and what kind of health do we have. 
So when we're talking about relationships, you know, we were, we were diving through the scriptures and we were kind of looking through different things. And, and we found this one story that we wanted to, to bring to you guys today. And it's the story of Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. It's this story that most people probably have not heard or either they didn't pay attention to or you haven't listened to. But it's, it's an interesting story that we don't have a lot of information on. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting little, little piece here, an interaction between these three men. So let's look at it in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best to not take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So that when they separated from each other, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. It's a quick little glimpse of this story, and it, his story kind of gets a little bit complex, even though we really don't know a whole lot of information. Because if we look back just two chapters prior... Paul and his companions are leaving to go towards Pamphylia. They're leaving. They're, they're going out. They're saying, hey, let's go. Come on, guys. We're going over to Pamphylia. And John Mark says, nah, I'm good. The Bible says in Acts 13, he says, and John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. This is all we have about that story and what happened and what's going on. Some scholars can say certain things. Scholars have some ideas, maybe some thoughts. But scripturally speaking, in the biblical text, that's all that we have, that John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. How did that conversation go? You know, we got, sometimes we have to look at these scriptures and look at it like there's, there's two men. There's, there's a couple people talking here. Hey, Paul, let's go over here. Nah, man, I'm good. No, no, we got to go. We got to get over here. No, nah, I'm good. No, I don't want to go. But no, we, we need to go over here. We got to go. No, I don't, I don't want to go. Did, did it get a little bit more angry? Maybe he said, no, I don't want to go. Did he raise his voice and say, or did he just turn and abandon them and just leave them? What happened? We don't know. We're not really sure, but we do know that there was this tension now caused between Paul and John Mark. And now we skip over to Acts 15, and now we have Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas, they have history together. There's a history between the two. They have been in missions together. They've been friends. They've been working together in the ministry. And they've become this, this, this tight-knit group, and they've, they've been doing that. And Paul obviously has some kind of bitterness or some kind of anger or some, some frustrations that he has here. And he says, you know, when Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark with us, Paul says, no. No. No, Paul, we need to take, we need to take John Mark with us. John, he's going to come on. I said no, Barnabas. And how, did, how stern did this get? Because the Bible says there arose a sharp disagreement. When I have sharp disagreements, <laughs> yeah, you know where that's going. I see some of you guys rehashing some sharp disagreements you've had in your life. Okay, maybe you got a little chest bump in there. Maybe you, you got your, clenched, your fist clenched up a little bit. Maybe you raised your voice a little bit. Maybe What happened in this situation where Barnabas says, I mean, Barnabas wasn't a part of this situation. This was just Paul and John Mark. And John Mark says, hey, I'm leaving. Now we go two chapters later. And Paul and Barnabas are in this situation. Barnabas says, let's take him. Paul says, no. 
And it gets to the point where now uh, there's, a, there's a divide between Paul and John Mark, but now there's also a divide between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas leaves. He says, I'm going with John Mark. I'm going with him. And he says, no, hey, I'm going over here with, with Silas, and we're going to separate. What is that like? What is going on that there's this such a stern disagreement that two people that God-fearing, God-loving men that are part of the ministry together, they say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to be, we're going to be, whoops, we're done. I don't know what they did. I don't know how they did it. We don't have a lot of information. But that tells me when they began to leave and they left from one another and went their separate ways, there was a sharp disagreement. So what does that tell us? That tells us that there are two God-fearing, God-loving men that still have conflict in relationships. They still have conflict. We're not exempt from that conflict. The conflicts in relationships are difficult. They're complex. They happen. They happen to the best of us. They happen to Paul and John Mark and Barnabas. They happen to you. They happen to I. So why are they so hard? Why are they so hard? Why are relationships hard? What's the problem that we have with relationships? What is the problem? What's this underlying root? What is happening that makes relationships difficult and hard? We addressed one of them already, sin nature. Sin nature. It's inherited from Adam. We ultimately have bad tendencies. When they're weak, they come out. When I'm tired, I say things I probably shouldn't say sometimes. My sin nature, my, my, my man comes out sometimes, and I may say things I didn't mean. I may be ugly. I'm stressed. I'm tired or something else. There, there's, there's something inside of us. When I get weak on this end, that sin nature wants to kind of rise up at times. That if we're not careful, that sin nature wants to overtake us, and that sin nature is not good. It's not pretty. It's not the way it's supposed to. It's not what we were designed for. It's not who we really are at times, but that's that, that we were born into sin. It's hard because we have a sin nature. Sometimes it's hard because of the familiarity we have with people. Familiarity that we have with people. Familiarity can breed contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt in our extensive knowledge or our close association with someone leads us to not respect them, to lose our respect for them. The more I'm around certain people and say, oh, I know who you really are. You ever done that? Come on, you sit there, you, you watch somebody, maybe even somebody standing on the stage. <laughs> I saw what you did out there in the parking lot, you know. All sorts of things. You might see somebody up here singing. I saw you driving down the road. I saw what you did. You become too familiar with people and you begin to lose respect for people at times. It begins to put this little divide between us because you're familiar and we begin to have this, this divide or this dissension between us because we try to put too much in there. We try to, to kind of call out or, or judge one another. Relationships are hard because of offense or hurt. Unfortunately, this is a byproduct of relationships. Unfortunately, this is a part of relationships that we're not going to get by. We're not going to lose. We talk about it with John Mark and Paul. There was an offense. Mark, John Mark left, and Paul wanted to go. John Mark said, no, I'm gone. There was, there was an offense. There was a tension. There was something that was happening. We can't get away from offense or hurt. It will happen. People will, will say things that are not right. Your spouse will say things that you don't like. There will be hurt. There will be things that will happen. We can't get away from this offense or hurt if we want to be a part of relationships. 
We have blame shifting. Blame shifting is a tough one. That's, 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 to me, that's a harmful one. That's, 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 a, that's a big one. But blame shifting happens when we say we're just going to always just point at the other person. We're always just going to point at the other person rather than taking a look at your own wrong. We're going to be in a part of it and there's some conflict and some relationships are happening. And all you do is say, well, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that and you did this. And not once in that conversation, in that dialogue of saying you did this or you did that, that you say, I did this. It's meant to deflect and to push off your, all the things that were wrong and all the things that were harmful and all the things that were done wrong. It, you're just pushing it off to someone else. You're just shifting that blame over to that person and never taking any of the blame yourself when it takes two to tango, right? It takes two people to be a part of that relationship and it's blame shifting. It makes it hard. Self-preservation would be the last one I would look at today. It's protecting yourself. Protecting yourself. This one is kind of that situation, that fight or flight scenario. That when you're in a situation and there's some conflict and there's some things that, that you take a point of, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to withdraw away from the scenario. I'm going to withdraw myself from the situation. I'm going to withdraw myself from what's happening. And I'm going to go over here and I'm going to protect myself and stay over here. I'm going to remove myself from the situation so I don't have to deal with this. I'm also going to, I'm probably going to go over here and no, I'm no longer going to deal with your kind. I'm going to come over here to people that are like, more like me, that I know will pacify my, my thinking, that will pacify who I am and what I'm dealing with. And, and they'll actually comfort me because we feel the same thing. So we're going to, we're going to actually have a sob story together. They're not going to help me in any way. It's just, we're just going to develop our own little, little clique of people that we're just, we're withdrawing from this so we can do this. And this one gets tough. This one gets tough because it's, it's always about protecting yourself and it's never about you know, bringing this back together. It makes it very difficult. They're complex. Relationships are complex. We could probably talk about this for another 10 messages and still be diving into this, but that's not what we're doing today. How do we cultivate health in relationships? We could talk a lot about this. We could get Dr. Andy up here. We could have a lot of different things. And we could talk about how do we develop and cultivate health. But ultimately, right today, we're going to deal with six different things that we have to deal with this. And how do we cultivate that? Number one, we talk about grace and mercy. How do we cultivate health and relationships? Grace and mercy would be number one. Grace and mercy are items that have been given to us. I like to look at grace and mercy like two different buckets. you got this bucket of mercy over here and this bucket of grace over here. And all day long, I'm dipping into this bucket of mercy. I do some dumb stuff. I'm telling you, I mess up and I need mercy. I need mercy. Then I do something, I just need a little bit of grace. I'm not quite up to par today. I just need a little bit of grace. And at the end of the day, that, those buckets are probably about... Half full, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever those buckets are at, they may, some days that this one might be completely just like there's a drop left in it. Some days this bucket might just have a little bit more left in it. I don't know. But I know when I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning, those buckets are full. Those buckets are full again. It's, it's, it, the Bible says that his grace is sufficient, that his mercies are new every morning. Now, I know that when I wake up, there's this whole new bucket full of mercy. That there's this bucket full of grace that's there for me. So how do we cultivate health in our relationships? We walk in grace and we walk in mercy. 
Inasmuch as Jesus Christ has given his grace and his mercy to me, how much more so should I offer grace and mercy to my friend that hurt me, to that person who cut me off, to that person that didn't talk to me when I wanted him to talk to me, to my spouse who just didn't say things quite the right way that time? How much more so should grace and mercy be a part of our daily lives? doesn't mean there wasn't be conflict. It does not mean there will be conflict. If we walk in grace and mercy, there will definitely still be conflict. But we know that we're walking in the way that God would have us. That we would be extending grace and mercy to those who have offended or hurt, upset us, whatever the case might be. How do we cultivate health and relations? Number two, we, we work on conflict resolution. How do we resolve conflict and to be healthy, as we said before, doesn't mean that your life is void of conflict. It just means that, that we, in this situation, how to deal with and to cultivate health, we have to learn how to have conflict resolution. We have to learn how to come to a resolution to solve the problem. We learn how to solve the problem that's going on. Like, if the problem is, you know, hey, we haven't, I mean, every, every married couple, come on, every married couple has done this. You've argued because one of you shot the other person a text at like 3.30 or called them at 3.30 and says, what do you want for dinner? Yeah? Anybody else? Yeah. And you, I don't know what I want for dinner. Yes, you do. What do you want? I don't know. Well, what do you want? I don't know. I don't, what do we, well, we don't have this. We don't have, and it goes into a, this, this argument. I want steak. Well, we don't have steak, and I have to go to, the, I have to, go to the, the grocery store to get steak. Well, I don't want to go to the grocery store. The conversation goes on, right? Come on. It happens. So in my, in my marriage and in my family, we decide, you know what? There's one of two things that are going to happen. Either we're going to decide together what's happening for the week. We're going to say, all right, tomorrow we're going to have leftovers because Mondays stink sometimes. <laughs> you know, Tuesdays, take out Tuesday. We're going to get pizza. You know, Wednesday, we're going to cook some spaghetti, whatever else. We're going to decide this thing, or either I'm out. Just cook whatever you want to. If I don't like it, I'll make a sandwich. That's really about how the conversation goes. But we've resolved that. We had to learn what works for us and how that is. We had to resolve the conflict. And that's what we have to do. We have to learn how to be at peace with everything that's within us. With everything that's within you, you had to learn how to be at peace. I'm not going to argue about dinner. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to argue about dinner. I just want food. Feed me. I don't care anymore. Come on. I don't want to argue about that. I want to do everything I can with all that's within me to be at peace. And that's what conflict resolution is about. But to do that, I also have to take ownership of the situation. I have to take ownership of what's happening. I can't be deflecting and blame shifting. I have to own up to what I did. I have to own up to what is happening. I have to own up that I said something wrong. I have to own up to the fact that I responded incorrectly. I have to own up to the fact that maybe I didn't do something that I should have done. Here's one for you. I have to own up to the fact that, you know what, even though I didn't do anything wrong, it was wrong to them. The baggage and the issues and the, the problems and the feelings and the emotions that the other person carries gives them this perspective that may not be your perspective. So in your eyes, you did nothing wrong, but in their eyes, you destroyed everything. Own it. Own it. Own the fact that you hurt somebody, that there, there's, there's a problem, that there is somebody that is hurt, that you love, that you care about, that needs you. 
Own it. Take ownership in it. Great little iPad. Take ownership in that. That situation takes discernment. It takes wisdom to understand what's happening. It takes understanding to know what you did and what's going on and how to respond in that. But you need to take ownership to be able to develop conflict resolution. Number three, how do we cultivate health and relationships? Seek reconciliation. The previous set, set, the resolution, that's coming to a solution over a problem. Reconciliation is to restore a friendly relationship, to bring back to harmony. Resolution solves the conflict, but reconciliation brings that back to harmony and brings that friendship back together, brings that relationship back together, brings those, you back together in a place of harmony. It's a sense of intentionality. Reconciliation, reconciliation takes an intentional step by you. It takes an intentional step to do what we do, to, to reconcile a relationship and to reconcile what's happening. It is intentional. And it's so much of an intentionality that, that Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against your brother, that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come to your gift. Jesus says, for, leave this altar behind. That reconciliation is so important. Just leave this here. You leave, you go take care of that. Reconcile yourself to your brother and then come back. It's, sometimes we have this, this saying that we say, I agree to disagree. Understand the saying. I get it. But if you agree to disagree and you don't reconcile, it didn't work. It doesn't work. You just agree to disagree and you still disagree and you don't like them. You don't care for them. You didn't reconcile the situation. You didn't reconcile the I agree to disagree. Okay, well, fine. And you walk away. You're still mad. You're still angry. There's, there's, no, there's nothing that's come back in this relationship that you've reconciled. You just resolved it by saying, I agree to disagree. You didn't really resolve it, to be honest with you. You just came to this agreement together that you both are not going to agree about the situation. But we have to get to the place of reconciliation. If we want to have healthy relationships, resolve it and reconcile it. Bring it back to harmony. Number four, boundaries. Boundaries. I don't like boundaries. <laughs> don't like them. Like I'm the guy that, you know, I drive a truck. No, it's not all jacked up and all that other kind of stuff. No, I just got a truck. But when I get in my truck, I want to go fast and I want to go all over the road. <laughs> just let me go. I don't like boundaries. I don't like the fact that I have to stay between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and I have to drive a certain speed, and nobody else can do I have to do this right here. I don't like it. How many, okay, I can't say that. Yeah, I can. How many of y'all come down 49, if you're coming from the north side, and you have that little S curve where they're doing the, where they're doing the, uh, the construction? How many of y'all actually keep it between the lines there? You know it. <laughs> You go through and you're like, all right, NASCAR, here we go. Uh, you can kind of cut that corner off a little bit. Yeah. All right, if it's just y'all, that's fine. It's 7.30 in the morning, there ain't that many people on the road. So I've done it a few times. I kind of like, man, I don't like boundaries. I don't like them. 
But you know what? If I were to cut that corner off right there when I kind of come into that lane and somebody else is there, not going to be pretty. Boundaries are meant to keep us safe. They're meant to keep me safe. They're meant to keep others safe. Boundaries are something that we, we put up to, to kind of, you know, I have a fence around my yard. It's to keep, you know, around our pool rather. So it's to keep other things or other people or other children from coming in to drowning in my pool. There's, there's boundaries that we set that, you know, you have a fence in your yard to keep your dog from going out. It's meant to keep your dog safe, but it's also meant to keep other people safe from your dog. Boundaries are important to have at times. Boundaries are great things to have, but boundaries, um, they can be a little bit dangerous at times too. Sometimes we, we call boundaries silent treatment. Not going to work. That silent treatment comes into place sometimes of manipulation and abuse. It's meant to control power and things like that, where you're trying to say, you know what, silent treatment, I'm getting it. I understand boundaries, but it'll be healthy boundaries. There are people that you don't need to be around, set boundaries that you're, you're away from those, those types of people or certain things. I have gentlemen that work for me that have a severe drug addiction. And, you know, he's, he's got to have some dental work. He's like, I, we don't do, there will be no narcotics in this situation. You know, there's boundaries that has to be set for him in that situation. But the same thing goes in relationships. We have to know where our boundaries are and where to set boundaries and when to set boundaries. But healthy boundaries. We cultivate healthy relationships through forgiveness. Forgiveness is that release valve of unhealthy relationships. Pastor Jordan and others say it's like, Setting yourself on fire and expecting others to die of smoke inhalation. I've always heard it as unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Unforgiveness will destroy us. It will completely and utterly destroy you. From the inside out, it will absolutely destroy everything about you. I know it takes time. I know that unforgiveness takes time and forgiveness to, to heal, to forgive, and to process through what's happening. It takes time, 100%. There are people that have hurt you, and there are things that people have done to you that are just beyond anything that you can do. They've manipulated you. They've, they've I don't know whatever it else is. They've hurt you. They've harmed you. They've done something to you. It takes time. But we have to heal, and we have to forgive. If there's not an effort towards forgiveness, the only option is revenge. If we're not going to walk towards a place of forgiveness, the only option that you have now is to retaliate, to have revenge. And we're not going to do that in many cases, so it just, it just festers. It festers and it festers up. It's like cheap bubble gum. You just chew it and chew it and chew it and it gets bigger and bigger and harder and harder and then it gets nasty Y'all know what I'm talking about. I have so many wads of double bubble in my, in my life. Just chewing that thing. Unforgiveness will just be, it'll just, get, it'll just grow and grow and grow. We've got to walk in forgiveness. Part of the reason why we have freedom groups here at NC. Part of the biggest reasons why every leader here at NC, we go through freedom groups. Because there's things that we, we, we have in our past. There's things and in, in situations and things that we've gone through that sometimes we may not even really know they're there. But we have to go through this process of talking about it and talking about Jesus and talking about forgiveness and talking about all the wonderful things and let God heal 
that relationship. Let God heal us and allow us to release that, that bitterness and that unforgiveness in our life. Going back to our story of Paul and Barnabas and, and Mark, the story kind of takes a different little twist a little bit when we go back into 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 11, Paul is writing and he says this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me in ministry. Are we talking about the same guy here? <laughs> this is the same guy who left you before. And the same guy that you and Barnabas split over. And now they reconciled all the things. But all these things that you, you, you guys separated and didn't go on the journey together because of this guy. But now Paul, despite everything that's happening, he's... In this, this disagreement that he had with John Mark and this disagreement that he had over John Mark with Barnabas, Paul is at the end of his life. And he's just, and he's the, one, of, one of the last things, the last things he says basically, he says, you know what, bring me John Mark for he is useful to me in ministry. He reconciled. He forgave. He resolved. He, he went through the process. Yeah. Acts 13, he was really upset with, with John Mark. Acts 15, he was still upset with John Mark where he had a separation with Barnabas. It was time, it took some time to forgive, but he forgave. To the point where he said, bring him to me. He's useful. Lastly, how do we cultivate healthy relationships? It's through the gospel. It's through the gospel. Relationships were separated due to sin. There's this wonderful story of Jesus where God the Father sent his son, his only begotten son, that he would die on a cross to restore relationships with us. It's powerful. It's powerful that he would send his only son to say, you know what? There has been a divide in the relationship between me and you. There's a divide between us. There is sin. Sin is in the way. I am, God is here. We are here. Sin is in the way. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send my son. That he would suffer. That he would be spat upon. That he would be abused, ridiculed, beaten, ultimately put to death on a cross. So that he could restore relationships with us. That's the gospel. One more piece of that gospel, obviously, that he rose again on the third day. He did all that so that we could have right relationships with him. It all boils down to this gospel that in relationships there may be suffering. There may be some sacrifice. And I can't tell you how to do that. I can't tell you how to make that situation. I can't tell you, but I can tell you that in that suffering and in that sacrifice that there is forgiveness that there is reconciliation, that we reconcile that like a bank statement. We reconcile that thing back to zero. We are at right relationships with each other, at right relationships with Jesus, that we've paid the price the same way in Jesus did. He paid the ultimate price so that we may have a right relationship with him. He says it so much as this, because of what Jesus did on that cross, Matthew 6, verse 15 says this, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive yours. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This idea of relationships 
is a serious thing. We can laugh about it, we joke about it, we talk about it. Sometimes we ignore it, but in reality, the idea of relationships is what we were called and what we were created for. It's a big part of who we are, and at the end, it all boils down to the gospel. It all boils down to this greatest commandment that he says, that this greatest expression of, of love that Jesus, that, he would, that the Father would give his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. That we are to love one another. We are to care about one another. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Relationships, they're going to get hairy, guys. They're going to get hairy. It's going, to be it's going to be complicated. It's going to be complex. You're going to have these nuances like between Paul and Mark and then Barnabas. You're going to have these weird things that get into it. It's complicated. But our response to this complication is the gospel. It's love. Our response to that is love. In this life, we're called to have relationships with one another. We're called to have that relationship because we encourage one each other. That's why this, this place right here is so important. We can encourage each other. That's why groups are so important. We can encourage each other. We can lift each other up. We can pray for each other. We're there to bear one another's burdens. We're there to take on that cross and help each other through the mix. We're there to represent Jesus, to glorify God in all that we do. We're here to impact the kingdom together. That's relationships. That's relationships. It's tough, it's complicated, it's hairy, it's all these things, but it boils down to the gospel. That we would walk in grace and mercy. We would resolve conflict. We would reconcile those situations. And we would forgive. We would ultimately represent Jesus Christ through the gospel. Would you stand with me? Today, many of you in this house, I, I don't know where you're at, but you're dealing with some, some complicated stuff. Maybe you're dealing with uh, a, a broken relationship. Maybe there's divorce or something that's happening in your life. Maybe there's, there's a, a, a severance of relationships between you and your father or your mother. Maybe there's a severance of relationship between your child. Maybe your child has gone astray and they're, 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 you don't know what's happening. They've just decided to go out on their own. Maybe there's relationships with a friend a close friend that did something to you that hurt you that needs to be reconciled. It needs to be patched. It needs to be put back together. I believe we've given you some very simple steps, but I also know that there's some very complicated steps at the same time. But here's the thing. I know we have a God that loves us, that cares about us, and is able to give us strength when we're weak. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, today... I just thank you that we have the opportunity to come before you and just offer up ourselves to you, God. In this, in this life, there are relationships that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with. Um, we're having a tough time forgiving. We're having a tough time really offering this relationship to you. We're having a tough time of how to deal with this situation. We don't know exactly what to do, but Father, your word is clear to us. Father, I pray that you would help us to resolve, to reconcile, to have grace, to have mercy, to set boundaries where boundaries need to be set, to forgive, and to show others the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. Father, if there's people in this house today, Father, that relationship with you is not where it needs to be. And they've had, they've, they've had a struggle. Maybe, they're, maybe they're just, they've had a situation and it's, why, God, you did this. You did this, God. Why did you do this? 
Maybe there's, there's some conflict between you. Father, I pray that you would wrap your, loves, your arms of love around them. Let them know that you have a plan for them and a purpose for them. Let them know that you care about them. Allow them to come in right standing with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you've made a decision today, if, listen, maybe you're in a tough time. Maybe you're in a, in a tough situation. Something's going on. You just need somebody to pray with you. Listen, there's a card right in front of you. It's our Next Steps card. If you're online, northwood.church forward slash next steps. There's a spot on the back. It just says pray for me. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. People agreeing together, believing that God will do amazing things. We want to be able to pray with you. If you were here in this service today and you said, you know what, I've made a decision that I want to, I need to take that next step with God. My relationship with God has been severed because of sin, and I need to get that sin right. There are people that want to pray with you. You're welcome. Take out that Next Steps card. Allow somebody to reach out to you and pray with you. As well as here, we're going to be coming in a song in just a moment, all along across the front of this altar here. There are going to be people standing here that want to pray with you. If there's something in your life that's keeping you and keeping you from God and keeping you from making right relationships in your life or you just need somebody to pray, there's some forgiveness that you need to deal with and you just need somebody to help to pray with you and agree with you. During this next song, they're going to be all across this, this front here. I want you to come. I want you to come. Let me pray for you one more time as they come back into song. Father, yeah, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in these, in these people. Father, thank you for the love that you have for them. Pray you would allow us to walk in that love. In Jesus' name.